0: Hello everybody. Welcome. I'm Kira. This is day 258 of GC365. Thank you for joining us. And I am delighted to have Laura Luzan, our new care pastor here with us today. Laura, it's your GC365 debut. It is. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. And again, thank you for joining us. Uh, we are in Isaiah 19, uh, you shared with me Isaiah, uh, meaning um, Yahweh is salvation. So that was a neat little tidbit that you shared with me earlier. But um, Isaiah 19 um, kind of starts off with kind of starts off with a bang as far as disaster themes. Uh, we had a civil disaster, economic and intellectual disaster, and you had some verses to share kind of on those notes.
1: Yeah. So when I was reading through this, it was really surprising to me how much of a disaster that. <laughs> This actually was like really putting everything upside down. Mm -hmm. So um, it said that the Lord would be coming against Egypt. The Egyptians' hearts would melt with fear. The wise council won't know what to do, and they would plead to their idols for wisdom, that they would be handed over to a cruel master. And the Nile River, which was their source of life, would flood, and all their fields would dry up, and their crops would perish. The fishermen would become unemployed. The weavers would have no cotton. Their best counsel would be utterly stupid and wrong, and make them stagger like a sick drunkard. And Egypt wouldn't be able to be saved by anyone, so that they would have to cry out to the Lord for
0: help, mm-hmm. and He would send a savior to them to help mm-hmm. them. That's a lot. That's and that paints a very vivid picture of, it does. of kind of the extreme nature of what was happening. Um, The other thing that I like about these particular passages of, I think, 16 to 22, um, I love to see repetition in the Bible. That's kind of a cool thing. And and in this case, in that day is repeated several times, um, which says turning the text is turning to the distant future. So that's kind of in that day is repeated here. But then I also um, there's a verse uh, 22 uh, where it talks about a highway or excuse me, 23 in that day, Egypt and Assyria will be connected by a highway. And um, I think that was just kind of, it's kind of a neat shift as far as, re- it talks about restored fellowship in a commentary that I found. And so it just speaks about in these verses, people, the Egyptians go from fearing God to calling upon him for help to joyfully worshiping. And I think that was just kind of as as to outline that and think about sort of where are we in that journey or along that highway? Are we fearing, are we calling, are we worshiping? And so I just kind of like the visual that went with that.
1: Luckily, I'm uh, joyfully worshiping right now. (laughs) That's good, I didn't wanna be in this situation.
0: Yeah, and it's funny how different times you're sort of in that different place along that journey. Um, The other thing in Isaiah that I liked, uh, the next one was about the watchman. Um, this is Isaiah 21, 11, and 12, and um, it says in biblical times, uh, great cities were contained within high stone walls, and it was customary to have a watchman. And in this case, Isaiah is uh, assuming that role, and just, um, he's being asked, watchman, how much longer until morning? When will the night be over? And I think just kind of that sort of questioning and repeated, that that anxiety kind of comes through of uh, what's, what's happening here, how long is this going to go on, which I can totally relate to. Yes, I can as well. I do that and I often repeat myself when I get anxious. So um, just morning is coming, he, the watchman replies, but night will soon return. And just kind of the idea of morning is coming and the hope and and the salvation and hopefulness in, in Jesus Christ. That's true. Mm-hmm. And I'm so
1: glad that joy
0: always comes in the morning mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a power, again, a powerful image. And that's what's neat, I think, to get into some of these dig a little deeper in the GC 365 is to sort of these some of the illustrations and things that that kind of rise to the top. Yep. So I think then we are moving on to Galatians. That's right? right. Yes. Galatians 2. And you had some thoughts on that. Yes. So I was just pulling out
1: a general theme for Galatians 1 through 16. And it was don't be tied up in the rules like slaves in chains. Um, I think the Jewish people were getting confused, they thought maybe by um, being circumcised or following the letter of the law that that, that everything would go right for them, but it's only by faith in Jesus Christ that we
0: are saved, and that was the lesson that they were going to be about to learn. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, as we just talked a little bit ago, sometimes it would be nice to have sort of specific rules to follow or guidelines or specific instructions sometimes. And when you kind of know when you're right or wrong, but that's again, that's not what it's about. It's about it's about grace and faith and walking in that um, and kind of trusting in that. So true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One of the verses here that uh, kind of jumped out at me. Is verse eight for the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostle to the Gentiles, and this was Paul speaking. And I found this great little commentary um, about that, uh, saying that Paul's kind of Paul's point is that is that he and Peter were the vessels, kind of the 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 the, the message came through them um, as as kind of the mouthpiece, almost like Isaiah was and was earlier, but it says. Um, in in talking about Peter and Paul, it says, of course, they kept their personalities. Paul wrote like Paul and spoke like Paul. Peter wrote like Peter and spoke like Peter. God doesn't change us into robots. He redeems us in total, including our personalities. Then he uses who we are to spread his gospel in ways that he made us to do. And I just loved that sort of follow that follow up or the commentary on that verse because it just was a reminder to me that we are so unique and individual in how God has us designed, but designed to share his message and we can bring our uniqueness and who we are to that
1: yeah that just speaks right to my heart heart here mm-hmm. because being a new care pastor in the role I have such big shoes to fill but um, the confidence in the Lord that he has already equipped me with mm-hmm. the right personality and I can mm-hmm. just be myself Mm-hmm. And just boldly
0: go out there and use whatever mm-hmm. he's given me to spread the word mm-hmm. is comforting to me. Mm-hmm. And I love, I just love, and I love how you say it because it's it's reassuring, and it's is it's you're doing you're bringing you're bringing who you are to it, and you will touch and reach and care for people in, in the special way that you that you do. So well, yeah. yes, thanks to God. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then Psalm fifty nine, we had. Um, uh let's see one through 17 and um you also had some thoughts on that right so i've been um, putting together
1: a lot of thought on how to position my prayers for people right now Mm -hmm. and make sure they have impactful powerful prayers so when i was looking at psalm 59 i just wanted to look uh david was actually uh in an incident, he was uh, getting murdered by King Saul at the time, and this was the beginning season of being a fugitive when he wrote this psalm. But I just looked at how he outlined it. So there was five bullet points. He mm-hmm. first uh, prayed for deliverance and defense. He simply described his need to God, and then he described the proud arrogance of his enemies mm-hmm. and his strong confidence in God, and then he asked his enemies to be defeated to bring glory to God, which is really important. All your Mm -hmm. prayers need Mm -hmm. to bring glory to God. And then he continued to sing, praise mm-hmm. despite his danger. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really
0: inf- impactful mm-hmm. way to organize mm-hmm. his prayer. It is. It's, it's neat to kind of almost see the structure and the outline and I guess the intentionality of it of, yeah. And again, everything bringing glory to God and, and praise to God. So that was Absolutely. a great, that's a great one and a great reminder. I, um, I also loved about this, um, in verse 16, Uh, It talks about unfailing love, and I've been um, doing, um, I've been revisiting Psalm 13 a lot also, and that speaks about unfailing love, and I, so that, uh, that was something that I checked out as far as how many times unfailing love is mentioned in the Bible. Uh, For NIV, it said 32. I didn't get the specific NLT. That's a lot of times. (laughs) But um, what I also loved learning about unfailing love is that it's, it's, in the Bible, it's only attributed to God, not a person. So what a thing about his personality and his faithfulness. And to think of, you know, uh, when you think about unfailing, you know, we, alf- we often think about unconditional. But unfailing has a lot of power and and, and strength and beauty to it also. It's it's not going to fail. You know, kind of no matter what we do, there's nothing that we can do that his love will fail or give up on. And I just love yes. I loved kind of looking at that and taking the time to to pay attention to that.
1: Yeah, that's really important. That kind mm-hmm. of just makes me want to break out and, and thanks and praise and just say, thank you, God, for your unfailing
0: love mm-hmm. for all of us. Yep. Yep. So finally, we had a proverb about discipline and punishment. Yeah, I actually <laughs> yeah. like this proverb. So We're not ending on
1: a light note. <laughs> <laughs> no. It says, don't, uh, don't fail to discipline your children. The rod of punishment won't kill them. Physical discipline may save them from death. Mm hmm. And so, um, actually, this talks a little bit more about punishment. And the last thing that we want to do as parents is raise a disobedient child, Mm -hmm. um, one that thinks that they could do whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And uh, the rod is um, actually, if you look at how Mm -hmm. a shepherd uh, shepherds his flock, and our flock is our children, they Mm -hmm. have a staff and a rod. Mm -hmm. Um, The staff is used to correct and guide his flock, and the Mm -hmm. rod is kind of used to, gently (laughs) kind of give them a little bit of punishment if they're not uh, following the rules. And um, basically, the bottom line is if you don't, you know, if you love your children enough, you're going to discipline them Mm -hmm. because you wouldn't want them to turn Mm -hmm. out to be disobedient. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, and uh, the rod, the one thing that I looked up that (laughs) I said, what does the Bible say about spanking? Mm -hmm. And I had looked that up and they said, the rod and the reproof give wisdom, but the child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of gave me a chuckle. Yep.
0: Yep. Or I like, yes, that's how those, those things that, that happen to mom. So yeah. Definitely. And I like how you brought, I like just the rod and the staff, you bringing up the shepherd and kind of getting back to that also Psalm 23, just kind of, again, the visual. So yes. Yeah. So, well, thank you, Laura, for being here, for joining me for your first time on GC365. And thank you, everybody, for joining us. And just may you feel God's unfailing love and uh, going out in your day today. And um, thank you again for being here. Thank you, Kira. Mm -hmm.
1: Thanks for inviting me. Have a great day, everybody.